Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon Israel alone a day. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the oil for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that might be called the tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And I shall build up the old waste, and I shall raise up the former desolations, and I shall re repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall come and feed my flock, and the sons of the aliens shall be my plowmen and my vine dressers. But I shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call me the minister of our God. Yea, shall I shall heed the riches of the Gentiles and in host ourselves. Hallelujah. Just lift up your voice to the Lord Jesus and appreciate him because he has anointed you. Appreciate him because he has called you. Appreciate him because he has sent you. You didn't just turn up here by mistake. You didn't just turn up here. You didn't manifest at this time in history by error. You are here because God designed that you will be here at this point. And because God designed that there is something that you will do for him. So just thank him because you are anointed. Thank him because your head cannot lack oil. Thank him because you will not fail to fulfill purpose. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the anointing upon our lives. Thank you because we are anointed. In Jesus' name, we pray. Have your seat. The Lord bless you. You're welcome to church once again. It's nice to see some to see your faces again. It's always nice to see everybody's faces. One whole week. You know, we see once a week. Zoom doesn't count because most people don't even show their faces. So Zoom doesn't count. <laughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> so today uh, we are going to be dealing with a topic called Now Faith Is. It's interesting because I, I was listening to Dad in the morning and that was his, his topic. So I'm like, who stole who's salmon note now? <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. says the word of the Lord is quick and powerful 
And there's a principle in scriptures. If you jump quickly to Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. Genesis 1.21 And God created great wills and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after its kind, and every winged fowl after its kind. And God saw that it was good. One of the principles you will find across scriptures is, is the principle of like always producing like. God says every fowl must produce after its own kind. God says every dog must produce after its own kind. God says humans must produce after their own kind. That's why if a person gives birth to a goat, there's likely to be a problem. All of us will be terrified because the principle has been violated. The principle that like must give birth to like. It is also a spiritual principle. God expects that a giant in the spirit gives back to a giant in the spirit. Of course, what that means is that the, the offspring of someone like that must be powerful. God expects that as... Can you turn it down a little, please? God expects that as... as <coughs> Hallelujah. God expects that as we grow, as we continue to live our lives, we start to produce things, actions, behaviors that mirror our kind. And in this process, our kind is God. Because when God was going to make us, he said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. So we are supposed to also, as children of God, follow the same principle of like begetting like. And one of the characteristics of God is not that God is not just that God is faithful; it is that God is also faithful. So God is a faithful God. God does not deny His own words. But on the other hand, God is also a God that is full of faith. One of the reasons God, you know why God cannot be proud? One of the characteristics of pride is that usually people boast that they are bigger than what they are. You understand? Many times, when you seen people that you consider to be very proud, one of the things you say about them is that they are doing like they are bigger than what they are. So in that sense, the re- one of the reasons God cannot be proud is that there's nothing that God can boast of that God cannot do. So it is impossible for God to, to boast beyond his own ability. It is literally impossible because God is all-powerful. There is no power outside God. So if God says a thing to the max, God can back up whatever God says. So in that sense, God, when you know, why is it now that God has faith? God has faith in his own ability to bring to pass everything he says. 
So it doesn't matter that that thing looks ridiculous. The most important thing that one the most important thing is that you are looking for God to say something about that situation. Many times when we pray, the the way our prayer is supposed to stop at the point where God comments about what you are praying for. Many times people's prayers only stop when they see what they are praying for. But the true measure of faith is that your prayer finishes when you hear God about that thing. So, for example, you go to God and say, God, I want a child. And you pray and pray and pray and you say, I want a child. The proof of faith is that once God says, I will give you a child... Your prayer for a child should end at that point. What should continue from that point is thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you because you have given me a child. It doesn't matter if the very next month you have a miscarriage. God has said, I will give you a child. What sometimes so when one of the ways we display our lack of faith is that we God has spoken and yet we keep carrying on as if God has not spoken. Once you any prayer you pray after God has addressed that matter is not a prayer of faith, it is a prayer of the flesh, and God is not going to hear you. You know, I started on the principle of like we got be getting like and i said all of that to show us that the basis of faith the basis of faith is what is the speakings of god god is not expecting us to have faith in our own selves it says have no confidence in the flesh is something is not god is not going to do something or let me just let me say something is not going to happen because just because you said so. If you are standing in faith, you stand in faith on the basis of something that God has said. Whether it is that God said it to you directly, maybe God speaks to you through your heart, speaks to you in a vision or dream or whatever. God says that. Or you are standing on something God has already written. If God has already written it, he has already said it. You understand me? If it is written in scriptures, it is, it, the reason it is written in scriptures is because it was spoken by God. You remember that the Bible has only one author, the Holy Ghost, but has different writers. So the the old, that's why the stream of the Bible is so consistent, even though it was written written over a period of hundreds of years, such that the people that wrote them, have you have you thought of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers? You've seen the conversations in those books. Do you realize that the person that wrote them was not there? Has it ever occurred to you before? Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It was in Exodus. 
it was in numbers it was in deuteronomy it wasn't in genesis in the beginning god created them that where was moses at that point yet you will see that all the conversations that abraham was having with god moses was not there all the conversations of isaac all the conversations of jacob all the conversations of joseph moses was not there Yet he wrote those things down because there was someone that was there that came to him and said, let me show you how those things went. And then he saw the visions and he started to write them down as if he was there when those things happened. See, there is no limit to our spiritual experiences. There is no limit to the possible spiritual experiences you can have. God can take you now, such that he takes you back in time. And you watch, and you are, you are standing there watching the entire crucifixion scene, as if you were dead the day the crucifixion happened. There is nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like uh, maybe sharing people's personal experiences. It's always good to share some of them, but it's not always. But our faith must not rest on people's personal experiences. But you know, a, a servant of God was saying one day that the Lord took his. He suddenly saw a vision. He saw a vision, and in the vision, he saw the Lord Jesus addressing the disciples. So he saw them sit, the Lord sitting this way and addressing the disciples that way. And so he was looking at them, looking at everybody. So in his, you know, in his mind, the first thing you think is, "I'm seeing a vision." And so he was, he was just listening, and he was in his mind, he was thinking, "I wonder if they see me because I can see them." But I wonder if they see me. He said at that point, the Lord Jesus looked at him and smiled. And then he realized that he wasn't just seeing a vision. He was actually physically transported back in time. And it was as if he was there when those things are happening. See, when the Bible says time is nothing to God, the beginning, the end, the middle, everything is before God at the same time. I know sometimes as human beings, it is difficult for us to to comprehend the fact that somebody is looking at your past, present, and future at the same time. And interestingly, somebody asked me a question this morning. He said, does God know... How did that question go again? He said, does God know the number of people that will go to heaven at the end? And it's such an interesting, interesting <laughs> question because there are... There are Sometimes I've I've heard that question so many times, and one of the things is that that question comes from a place of people asking if God is fair. But fairness is not an attribute of God. You, you that's one of the things you have to learn about the personality called God. God is there. Fairness is something human. Is why many times we speak of equality and we want to distribute equally. Have you seen anywhere in the Bible that God distributed equally? Have you seen it before? That God gave everything to parable of the talents. Did he give them the same? So when we think fairness, just know it is human. Whereas, so 
let me not even start that question. Maybe one day we'll deal with it. But yes, God knows. Because by how can God if God doesn't know, then there's something God does not know. But there is nothing God does not know, so he has to know. But the question is why and how? And it's a question of choice. God knows human choices. God knows the options before you. God knows the one you will take. God knows one of the reasons we pray for the will of God is so that we are supposed to take the one he prefers us to take. Not you would always have multiple options, but there is always God's preferred option. The Lord was speaking to them in Joseph's time and said, I said before you life and death, but I implore you to choose life. In every decision making in this world that any man will make, there's always the one that God prefers you to take. There would always be multiple roads before you, but there's one road that is God's preference for you to take. So when people say, you know, uh, that you may know the will of God that is good, that is acceptable, that is perfect, it doesn't mean there are three options. It is it, that it's that same one will is good, that same one will is perfect, that same one will is acceptable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I said all of that to say the word of God is the basis for faith. And if the word of God is living and active in Hebrews 4 that we, 4 12 that we read, it also means that faith is living, faith is active. Because faith is an offspring of the word of God. So you cannot have faith that is dead. Faith is living. Faith is active. Faith exists. Faith does. So, you know, Genesis, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. You could also say in the beginning was faith. Because faith exists. Faith is out of the world. It's like, you remember when Apostle Paul was addressing the old, one of the subjects of, of, of Methuselah, of, no, sorry, um, Melchizedek. And he was saying that Abraham paid tight. But he also now said that even Levi, the, the Levites, the tribe of Levi, that would end up being the custodian of the tithes in the temple, even they paid tight in Abraham's loins. Levi did not exist at that point, but in a context, he existed. That's why, you know, when dad is preached many times, he will say that he, he, he doesn't know which spirit is holding between us and him, but he knows that he got here. He, he, his own spirit was commissioned before ours. You must understand it does in, in spiritual terms it doesn't mean that he's older than us or that we are older than him it is that it's like when you have a a bunch of soldiers like you you have like a bunch of soldiers in reserve you they are trained they know what to do but they are in reserve because there is no war but when war starts, you might say, okay, let's deploy 1,000 troops first. And then the first 1,000 go into battle. And then you wait and say, okay, this battle, we might need more. Let's deploy another 5,000. It doesn't mean the 1,000 
are necessarily better than the 5,000. It just means that the 1,000 was commissioned before they went into active service before the 5,000. So God knows when he created all our spirits. In fact, he could have created all of them the same time. But then he sends us at different points in time, at different points in time to manifest what he has called us to do. And if if you think about it, if God was that specific to say, I'm going to send this particular child in 1938, do we then think that God has not thought of every possible thing that can happen to us? It's not possible. God cannot have sent your spirit at a point in time and then not have taken care of every possibility that might happen to you. When was Jesus crucified? Bible students, when was Jesus crucified? What does your Bible say? The Bible says Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. That means at the point where Jesus was saying, in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That means before God created the heavens and the earth, one of the first things he did was sacrifice Jesus. So he already knew that this heaven and earth I'm going to create, the people there are going to misbehave. So let me make provision for their misbehavior before I create the earth that they will live in to be in a position to misbehave. So if we think how deeply, if we think deeply about how much God has actually organized our lives, your biggest concern in this world will be, Lord, let me know your will. If you ever get to, if you actually think about it, to to understand that God planned every aspect of your life. Number one, the first thing that will terrify you is how far off from the master plan are you? That's one thought that should terrify you. I was was watching a video this week and, and the... The, so it was judgment day and the pastor came forward and said, Lord, I I pastored faithfully and all that. And God said, who sent you to be a pastor? I sent you to be a businessman so that you could give to certain ministries that would have caused the, that would have resulted in the salvation of 1.5 million people. You pastored. And they are coming to me and saying, you brought 50 people to the kingdom. Another woman went before God and the Lord said, and she was saying, sorry, the only thing I was able to do was that I tried so hard to raise my children in your way. And she was apologetic. And the Lord said, it's fine. That was exactly what I told you to do. Raise me three children. And then it lost started to show her that those three children you raised, this is this and this and this is what they would have they, they would do by virtue of how well you raised them. So she didn't go around preaching, but she raised three men that shook the world for God. And as far as God was concerned, she did everything she was told to do. 
So the difference between the master plan and where we are. You know, I've always I've said it before. One of the greatest prayers you can pray is God show me where I am in this in that grand scheme. <laughs> One year that I prayed that prayer like that, the I, I, I saw a vision. I won't tell you the vision because it 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 is it is personal. But let me say let me say it this way. I was both encouraged and terrified. Let me put it that way. I was both encouraged that at least there is hope. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified <laughs> because, hey, Lord have mercy. <laughs> but this is the truth. Whether you ask now or you don't, on judgment day, you will find out. So it's better to ask when you are still have the chance to do something about it. A servant of God, the Lord Jesus visited him and, and was speaking to him and saying, um, so you will do this for me. And I think the Lord said, oh, so now you're about to begin your ministry and all of that. And the man looked at the Lord like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I've been preaching for 15 years and and now you are telling me I'm about to start my ministry. The one I was doing before, God. And the Lord said, I didn't send you. In those 15 years, you were, the, the man was seeing miracles. The Holy Ghost was working. But the Lord said, I didn't send you. So I'm not going to reward you for what I did not send you. you you've read your Bible. Say, In your name we cast out demons. In your, and what did the Lord say? Apologies. I don't know you. Why? Why? So we must seek to we must seek to be in God's perfect will. And one of the ways of God's perfect will is that we must live the life of faith. The life of faith acknowledges that it's okay that you might not know everything. But the life of faith is totally convinced of the ability of the God that knows everything. I, I started to say all those attributes of God so that you know that God is so is so detailed that you should have no problem trusting him. Even to the smallest sometimes even to what you would wear to church on Sunday you can it's not it's not a childish thing of course you can make your own decisions but there are times where the Holy Ghost says wear that shoe don't wear that one you might know why you might never know why sometimes the, it might just be a test of obedience that might be all it is you might know you might not know but sometimes God might choose your entire outfit and sometimes Many times God will leave you to wear whatever you want to wear. It's, it's your decision. But on occasions, God might just come and something that you consider mundane, He will just come and interrupt and say, "This is my opinion about that thing." You know, if we if we get to that point, one of the ways to be different, to be friends with God is that you get to the point where you obey God so well that God will come and tell you things you did not ask Him. You know you can get there with God. That God, God of His own volition, will come and tell you things you didn't ask Him. 
Because the ones you asked him and the ones that concern you, he had taken you, he had told you, and you have taken them so seriously. So that I will not come and tell you things that might not even directly concern you. Say, so, let me tell you about Lutania. Like, okay, what is my home now? I don't even have a cousin there. But God comes to tell you anyway. Because that is something he wants to do on the earth. And he has found a man who is faithful to him. So he will come and tell you. This, this Recently, I was looking at the, the, the priesthood of Lot. When you think of Lot, you don't think of Lot in terms of a priest. But go and read the story where you know you know the the angels came to um Abraham. The Lord came to Abraham saying and then told him God to, had spoken to Abraham about his own childlessness and everything. And then God was living and said, Would I not show this thing to Abraham? I, okay, so the Lord speaks to him, and then the Lord went back, the two angels went to Lord because there were three people. By the time they got to Sodom, there was only two. That means God Himself had gone. The angel, God, of course, the, the the excuse God gave was, "Let us go down. Let us go and see if the thing, if the cry of the people is like is if if it is like they are crying." Of God, God knew it was, but it was God's own excuse to sneak out of heaven and come and talk to Abraham physically. So God, and when God had finished talking to him, God left. The two angels went to Sodom. But interestingly, you know that. Abraham started to negotiate with God, Lord, if you find 35 righteous people and they negotiated and he stopped negotiating. Yet, by the time they got to Sodom, the Bible says, Lord gave them unleavened bread. You know the significance of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread speaks of the flesh of Jesus. So he offers them unleavened bread. He protects them, he shields them. And at the end, when they said, now pack your bags and leave. And he says, please don't let me leave. Please spare Zoa. Let me go to Zoa so that you can spare them. And actually, God listened to Lot. God spared the entire city of Zoa because Lot asked. Because the Bible then says that, okay, go. the angel said, okay, run there. For your sake, we will not destroy that city. So if, in a sense, if Abraham, even though Abraham did not save Sodom, Lot saved Zohar. So Lot had a standing before. You know, Peter was talking about Lot and said, that righteous man that was vexing his own soul every day. So Lot had a righteousness that stood and weighed before God. Such that when he said, can you give me this city? God said, it's fine. You can have it. So God ended up destroying four cities instead of five. Most people know Sodom and Gomorrah. The other two names, they are also in the Bible. Go and look for them. Lord bless us in Jesus' name. <coughs> Hallelujah. Hebrews 6, verse 11. Sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 6. The one verse you cannot skip. And you are talking of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. says, he that comes to God must first believe that he is. And I, 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 I started by showing us that faith is. So if you want to reread that 
play chap that verse you can say we it that comes to god must first believe that there is faith and that if you are diligent you will receive the rewards of faith faith is important to god but faith is also important to you another version reads that passage to say that it is impossible to be satisfactory to god without faith it is impossible to be satisfactory to God. I've shown us how important faith is to God. But faith is also critical to us pleasing God. Another critical passage, Mark 11 verse 22. Mark 11 22. Let me read from verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou caused is withered away. Verse 22. And Jesus answering said unto him, Have faith in God. That's not the, the, the original translation of that passage is have the God kind of faith. Now the question is, what is the God kind of faith? Let me start by saying there are two sides to it. There is faith in God. There is faith of God. There is faith in God. There is faith of God. Faith in God is what most people talk about. You know, faith in God is it basically refers to the things that you believe about God. So when you say, "Oh, faith in God," faith in God is usually is usually it usually refers to things that you have concluded by virtue of what you have learned of God or what you have heard of God. For example, how many of us know that God is a healer? How do you know that God is a healer? Because you've heard it, you've read it, you've you there are there are so so many instances that you've heard of or read of or even maybe your own personal life. So you know God as a healer. So you have faith in God that God is a healer, that God is a provider, that God is good, because you have read or heard of of, of, of you know. But faith of God. Having faith of God now takes it one step further, such that now those things that you it, it refers to now the expression of that faith through you. There are many, many things that we know of God that we are not convinced that those sides of God can be expressed through us. And that is one of the biggest problems in expressing faith. So you must not only know our faith in God because of what you know of God. You must also have the faith of God such that the way your faith goes towards God, God's own kind of faith can also come towards him to you, to you through you to situations and circumstances. So now, how many of you believe that God can, that God can raise the dead? How many people believe God can raise the dead? How many people believe that if you lay your hands on a dead person today, that person will wake up? (laughs) 
that is the difference between faith in God. So you you are not doubting the fact that God can raise the dead. That is not an issue. The issue is now that can God raise the dead through you? That gap is the is one of the reasons why we always have to talk about faith because what must happen is that you must get to that point where if somebody says, like I said, now that and God raised the dead through you, that, that there will be no doubt in your heart that it is possible. It is doubt that causes faith to fail. Remember when Peter was on the sea? Can I come? Like, sure, come. He jumps out of the boat and starts walking and starts walking. And at some point, he started to. <laughs> you know, when he started, he wasn't thinking. Was, you know, Peter was probably God's, uh, the Lord's most impulsive um, disciple. Many, many times Peter would say things without thinking. Many, many times he would do things without thinking. And so at the point where he said, can I come? His, own, his excitement was that it is the Lord. So if it is the Lord, can I come? He said, come. So he jumps out as Aaron and then he realized, oh boy. He started to think now. He started to think. And at the point he started to think, Doubt crept in, and then it started to sink. Many, many times we, we, we are so analytical, we analyze God out of the situation. You analyze God out of this. You analyze God's sovereignty out of the situation. How many of you believe God will buy a house? In the, how many of you believe God can buy you a house without a mortgage? How many of you are actually praying it every day that Lord, I received that house without a mortgage? Uh, okay. How many of you are? How many of you are actually thinking, Lord, I want the house I can afford the mortgage easily? That one you are thinking like, okay, I want a nice house that the mortgage is not too big. That one, that one is easier, eh? Hey? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the things the devil always tries to do is to blur that line between having faith in God and having the faith of God. God, The devil always wants to emphasize to you why that ability of God is because, it's because God is God. But that when it comes to you, uh, there are too many flaws. You know, the devil starts to point to there are too many weaknesses. When I said, can you raise the dead now? I mean, some of you probably thought, hey, when was the last time I prayed? Hey, have I even read my Bible enough? Hey, what would I even say when I get there? You understand? All those things are the devil's way of, make, of making you shift the focus from God to you. Now suddenly you are seeing your shortcomings. You are starting to see your weaknesses. You are starting to see your mistakes. Maybe you even lied yesterday that you are still repenting. Lord, have mercy on me. You are starting to see all those things now. And so you are like, no. maybe, maybe sometimes in the future I'll be able to lay hands on the sick and they recover, but not today. But the problem is you have shifted the focus from God. To you, it doesn't matter how well you pray, you are not the one that will heal the sick, you are not the one that will raise the dead. It is faith is full confidence in the ability of God. 
it's not confident is you it's not that you have gotten to a place now where you think you have done enough to be able to say be healed in jesus name it is not it is not about you what the only thing that concerns you is your full confidence and assurance in the ability of god to do that thing he said he would do yours is to stay with that confidence You know, uh, I, I heard an interesting story about about uh, Daddy Adeboye. So they were doing a program in church, and he he decided throughout the program he will be fasting. So he will fast when they finish the program. I think in the evening he will eat. So that was his plan. So he said he had been fasting like that and doing program, and then this particular day. Mommy was making some powerful things in the kitchen. So he said he just he was just coming. Before he knew, he had entered the kitchen, grabbed food, and was eating. He said he had almost finished. He said, then he went, Oh my god, what have I done? So yeah, he had eaten. And then he's, he's, he's going to the meeting thinking, hey, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, have you seen? He said that night was the most powerful night of the entire meeting. The one time he had actually eaten and forgotten about fasting was the most powerful night of the meeting. God was making a point to him that it is because of my own fidelity that these things happen. So the best thing we can do as children of God is that we partner with God in whatever God is doing. You just say, I'm available. If you want to do it through me, because it's not everything that God wants to do through you. He's the one that decides how he wants to do his things. So we must never get to that point where we think, Oh, it is by my fasting or by my praying or by my this or by my that that I'm able to do this. You are still not able to do it. Even if you fast from today to December 25. Then why do we fast? Why do we pray? One of the reasons we do those things is because it's so that we can enlarge our own. Think of it as think of it as all those pipes that conduct water throughout the city. The bigger the pipe, the 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 number one, the closer to the source that pipe is likely to be, and the more water that pipe is able to conduct. You understand me? You cannot imagine if the pipe that brings water to your house is as big. This diameter is as big as this that brings water to your house. What do you want to do with a pipe that big? Is not useful for you. The reason is because the domestic things you need water for, they don't need a pipe that huge. But imagine if from the power source, the pipe that brings water to your house is like the one in the tap in your bathroom. All of us will suffer because water will not get anywhere. You understand me? Imagine that's the size of the pipe that pumps water from everywhere. None of us will have water. Whereas the bigger pipes are closer to the source, the thin ones are in your house because their responsibilities are different. So one of the reasons we engage with God at certain levels, we fast, we pray, is such that 
we have an enlarged capacity to conduct more of God. It's not necessarily that you are not going to now force, you are trying to force God to now do things. It is that God, the Bible says that God does not despise our sacrifices. So if you, if that capacity is built in you, there is a good chance that God would also conduct more through you. But even at that point, you know, Jesus was saying, he said, when you have done all that you are supposed to do, still come back and say, we unprofitable servants. We have only done what has been asked of us to do. Does it mean there is no reward for you? It doesn't mean there is no reward for you, but when you come back and see me unprofitable, you are, you, are, you are acknowledging the fact that it is not me doing it. I'm not doing You know, the Bible says there's nobody that goes to war on his own charge. And if you have not gone to war on your own charge, you will now come back and be collected. My friend, if you collect God's glory, you will fight God's battles. If, because if, if you go and tamper, that's why when you've done this, don't ever take the glory to yourself because the associated battles, you would have to fight them yourself. He who fights the battles takes the glory. One of the greatest things you can do for yourself and for your children is to always declare the, own, that the ownership of God. These children, they are not mine. They are yours. And if they are yours, you are the one, you, the responsibility for taking care of them rests on you, not me. Because it doesn't matter how well you can take care of your child. Hey, they are not with you two for seven. Even if they are with you two for seven, are you not going to sleep again? What happens if you come from work and you are watching your child and you are, the child is so tired? You are so tired and the child is by your side. You know these children are interested. Have you seen videos of children finding their way out of their courts before? Uh, if, you, if you want some downtime, go look for those videos. The way children escape from their baby courts will terrify you. That it's, it's enough proof that it doesn't matter how, how well you watch them. Only God can really, really watch them. Only God can really, really watch them. So the place of faith is a place that now says, okay, Lord, I acknowledge the fact that everything is done through you. Everything is done by you. Everything is done in your name. What I have come to do is to acknowledge that you can. Is why when I started today, I was thinking, I've seen the victory of Jesus. Because it is, it is that victory, it is that name. At the beautiful gate, John and Peter, Peter and John, they get to say, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have. You, you understand the meaning of that statement? What I have. That means Peter was thoroughly convinced of what he had and the ability of what he had and the superiority of what he had over the condition of that man. But what I have, and he was, and on top of that, he was convinced of the fact that what he had, he could give. How many of you are born again? How many of you have the Holy Ghost? How many of you speak in tongues? How many of you can minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, that it is still that same thing that goes to your mind and says, hey, 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 not me. <laughs> Why not you? 
If not you, who? Are you the Holy Ghost? Are you going to take him and be putting him inside people? Then what does the Bible say about ministering the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You must know. You must be convinced of what you know. And you must also be convinced that what you know can be distributed through you. Yours is to lay the hands. It is the Holy Ghost's duty to feel the person. You don't need to grab people's head and be shaking it until you break their necks. The Holy Ghost is not going to enter any faster because you're about to break the... You just, the person will slap your face. Uncle, leave, leave me alone. But it is based on what you know. And it is based on what you are convinced about. That is what... Our actions and our inactions, they show how much faith we really, really have. Because faith is alive and faith is active. So if we do things that are of faith, We'll get the results of faith. If we do things that are not of faith, not only do we not get the results that we want, it is also that anything that is not of faith is sin. So there are two ways to live life. Either you live life of faith or you live life of sin. God will help us in Jesus' name. God will help us in Jesus' name. One definition of maturity. (coughs) Have you ever thought when we say mature Christians, mature Christians, what are we talking about? You know, I said one day that the Lord said to me that one of the biggest problems we have is the house of God is the definition of times. What is what is what does maturity what is maturity? What is spirituality? Is, is is spirituality only when I close my eyes and I'm in the spirit? Is that spirituality? When James was addressing the matter, what did they call true religion? So we must, we must, in a way, go back to the basics of defining the terms of our Christianity. Because if we don't define them, some people are coming to define them for us. And it is what we are seeing now with some of the th- crazy things we are seeing. People are coming to define our God to us. And in a sense, they are also succeeding because we ourselves, we don't know who our God is to us. So what is spiritual? One of the signs of spiritual maturity is how trusting you are. Every time God was going, Jesus was going to do give examples to the disciples. He will go and grab a child. Bible will say, and he grabbed the child and said in their midst, and he said, unless you have faith like this child, in the world maturity is independence, but in God maturity is total dependence. So the more released you are to God, the more mature you are in the eyes of God. The more of God you 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 the, the more the, 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 the more you can trust God, the more of yourself you release to trust. God says jump. You are not saying why. A, a mature human being, if somebody says jump, the first question you ask is why? But in terms of spiritual things, when God says jump, the first question you should ask is how high? That's the difference between maturity in the spirit and maturity physically. Physically, you say why? As old as I am, I should be jumping. Whereas, in the Holy Spirit, it is how high? Such that when God says take a leap of faith, Take a leap of faith. You are not asking God that God 
you can see my condition. You can see the state of my bank account. Why are you even why are we even having this conversation when you know all things and you can see all things? Why is this a conversation? You know how much is left when Affinity Water takes their bill and the landlord collects his rent. You 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 can see, you can see. And God says, uh, take that seed and go and sow. You know, one of the reasons, you know, you know, the way Abraham became we became to God in the sacrificing of Isaac. You know, the Bible then tells us that he, he in, a, in Hebrews 11, he, he said, the Bible says that he reckoned that God was able to raise him from the dead. So killing Isaac was not an issue. You don't understand. It, it wasn't, it, Abraham's faith was not that maybe God will somehow find a way so that the boy will not die. That was not the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham was that, okay, this boy is dead. But what I know is that because this is also the boy that you said will be the father of many nations. And this is what you point. In fact, you made me send Ishmael away because of this boy. So it's okay. You want us to kill him? No problem. We'll kill him. When we kill him, you will raise him. So Abraham was not expecting to leave the mountain without a living child. You understand me? He wasn't expecting that when they are descending from that mountain, it will be only him alone. It was, it was that that boy would have died. That boy would have woken up again and both of us will come back home. So, so he believed that God was able to raise him from the dead. And he received that boy as in a figure. A.K.A. He received that boy as a type and a shadow of how the Father in heaven would receive Jesus Christ. The issue was not that Jesus would die. It was settled because he was crucified before the foundation. Jesus was going to die. The issue was resurrection. Because resurrection defied things that, peop that people had never experienced before. People don't die and resurrect. People die and they are gone. Then this man comes. He dies. He resurrects again. Just like Abraham. So when Abraham was doing that, he, that's why it's called the father of faith. He was demonstrating faith exactly like the father in heaven would demonstrate faith. And that is what we are called to. It, we are called to think in God terms because like begets like we are called to think like God act like God behave like God so the question is in that situation if it was God that was in that situation what would God do that's the question you must always ask I don't have rent if it was God that did have rent what would God do what would God would God go and borrow What would God do? <laughs> you know, the interesting thing is that when we start to walk this path, sometimes things will go sideways. And sometimes the reason it goes sideways is because it is a test of absolute trust. Like you say, okay, God, I'm going to believe you for rent this month. And 
you know that the direct debit for your rent goes out on the 25th of the month and today is 24th and you do not have any money at what point are you going to call somebody and say can you please borrow me some money or you are going to stay there and be like today is 25 lord if you don't pay this rent it's not getting paid you know what is funny in that situation god might actually allow you to get kicked out <laughs> you don't understand god might actually watch you get kicked out but after you have gotten to a point you know when abraham was sacrificing isaac bible says he, he, the boy laid down abraham was at the point where he held the knife and he was going to he was about to when god said hold up the man had passed the point of no return in his own heart. So God, so the boy was as good as dead. Many that faith is of the heart. Before you, before anybody sees externally that you have faith, it's always of the heart. You, there are certain points you pass in your own heart, such that from that point is how you now behave. If you are trusting God for a child. One of the ways to demonstrate faith that you absolutely trust God for a child is to, one of the classic ways they say is to start buying baby materials. But it's not just for you. Go and buy for someone else. You understand me? Buy for yourself. Buy for someone else. Because number one, you are engaging two principles when you do that. Number one, you engage the principle of faith. Because now you are buying things, baby things when there is no baby. You understand? So you are exercising faith. But you are also pulling on the, on the principle of give and it shall be given unto you. You are giving out baby gifts. Even though those baby gifts must find their way back to you. But the only way they will find their way back to you is when you have a baby. You understand? So when, when there is a challenge, you always look for spiritual principles to, to pull on to drag on like okay 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 the christian life is meant to be intentional we must not be reactive that so, something slaps you and then you react to that one and then something else punches you and then you god uh, did not create our lives to be reactionary for example you are looking for a job have you ever stopped to say by the way which one is what is god what are you even saying have you ever thought of it before that you actually say, okay, excuse, there must be something you have in mind. So this one that I'm applying to 5,000 jobs, <coughs> I was I was giving a testimony. Uh, I was sharing one of my experiences. One time I was I was I was doing a job and the contract was going to expire in like in three months. And so two opportunities came up in that same office. And I just felt in my spirit that I shouldn't apply. And I didn't. And people were looking at me like, you must be absolutely mad. Because the opportunities came up at the exact same level I was doing. And if I had applied, I was guaranteed. So it was after the application had closed, the manager came to me and said, you didn't apply. I said no. He looked at me like, what's wrong with this child? 
But even at that point, it was too late because it had closed. So I didn't. Because I just knew somewhere in my heart that I didn't need to, that I shouldn't. And I didn't. And then, if you now I'm looking at the fact that in three months' time, I'm going to be out of a job, literally. And then some weeks after, an opportunity turns up, which was at a higher level than I was. And I went to apply. And by the time I applied, by the time we got around to interview, my current contract was about four weeks left. So at that point, it was either you got that job or you are done. <laughs> and then I got the job. But it, well, it was later that I knew the backstory of what had happened. And I realized that, number one, that role that I, that, that job that I got was, didn't exist before. It didn't exist. There was nobody that did that job before I got there. Number one. Number two, when they were writing the job description, the hiring manager decided he didn't want to use a generic job description for the role. So the man sat down to rewrite the job description. Do you know that when he was writing that job description, he was writing my experiences? Because then when I was applying, I could, every paragraph he wrote, I could pull something out and say, okay, I did this in 2017. I did this in 2018. This one you asked for. Such that I had applied. And then I just emailed the person and said, oh, by the way, let, let's add up. The application was closed. I just emailed and said, because normally they say you can come and have a conversation about what the duty. So I went and I was telling my experiences and, and the man was smiling. Because as it turned out, the job description was tailor-made for my work experience. But I didn't know that then. <laughs> but if I had chosen one of the other roles that came up that time, I would have accepted it. It would have been permanent, but this one also is permanent. But I would have taken that and would not have been able to apply for this one. But the the the, the, the it just welled up in me like no, and I was willing to be jobless than take the easy way out. How many times have we missed higher things? Because we settled for what was right in front of us. It, the easiest thing, the easiest thing is always to settle. The way of faith is not easy. And, and I was telling you, um, what a friend of his invited him and said, Ah, he's going to a funeral. Can you come with? So Smidukus <laughs> what followed. And you know, you know, they were having funeral, sipping tea and all that. And Smidukus wandered away and went next to the coffin. The coffin was in the next room. So he went to the coffin and he opened the coffin and pulled the person. And put the person against the wall and said, wake up in Jesus' name. You know the person didn't wake up the first time. The person didn't wake up the second time. You know when you pull someone and say, wake up in Jesus' And then you leave the person and the person falls. You went to somebody's house to go and be disrespecting their mommy. The mommy was in the coffin chilling. <laughs> but faith is like that faith sometimes is insane have you ever wondered why Jesus waited four days to go and see Lazarus 
one of the reasons is that the Jews believe that the 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 cord between the spirit and the body is not broken until day four. So if Jesus had gone day one, they would have turned around and said, oh, the spirit was still around. So the Lord God, the Holy Spirit made Jesus wait until the point where it was clear to even the most unbelieving Jew that by now that man's spirit was gone. So according to their tradition, Lazarus' spirit was not in the neighborhood again. So at that point, Jesus could now go there to demonstrate that even after four days, even you unbelievers, it was so bad. Read your Bible, it was so bad. That thing so messed up with their theology that the Bible says they wanted to kill both Jesus and Lazarus. Because he, he, they could not argue somebody that was in the grave and already stinking. And according to their tradition, his spirit was gone. And then Jesus went there. And said, come forth. And then the man. You know the number of miracles that had to happen for Lazarus to come out? What killed him had to be taken care of. His spirit, his spirit, whether he had gone to heaven or hell, his spirit had to be called out from wherever it was. Hey, Helen was ministering, was going to minister somewhere one day. And because people wanted to shame him, they wanted to shame him. They went to go and borrow a dead body from the mortuary. They didn't go and borrow somebody that just died. Though. They went to go and borrow. You know when you go to the mortuary, they say, can you borrow us one dead body here? And so they went to borrow the dead body and brought it. And they put it right in front of the meeting, of the altar. So you cannot miss it. And then the servant of God came. Some people had gone to run to him. There. Some people had they brought... A dead body sack. The man, when he was coming to the hall, he went. The first place he went was to the dead body that they went to borrow, and he said, "I am A. A. Allen." That was all he said. And the dead body rose up. The dead body that may have been in hell for two years. There is a power that is bigger than whatever is facing you, but that power requires absolute trust that even though he slays me that's one of the areas where we actually miss it the fact that we say we trust God until he comes to the point where we are supposed to prove that we trust God how many of us here would deny Jesus how many of us here would deny Jesus but Peter said the same you know, like that was pointing out recently that you realize that the people that Peter denied Jesus to were immaterial people. Servant girl. In the grand scheme of the, the people Peter lied to were unnecessary. What was the slave girl going to do to him? But he had boasted of his confidence that like if everybody denies you, Bible says and all of them said the same thing. We would never deny, we would never deny, we would never deny until the day came. The day will always come where you have to prove that you have faith in God. Even if it means that thing, let it scatter if it will. But you know what usually happens? After it has scattered, one of the things the Lord said to me is that sometimes he allows, he allows things to get as bad as they are as they can get 
so that it will be clear that Satan has done the worst that he can do. And when it is clear that Satan has exhausted all the evil that he can do, then God steps in and totally shows his superiority over the works of Satan. Such that they come up to you and say, well, according to this test result, you have four days left. You have six weeks left. I have seen in this country p- testimonies of people that they, are, they, be, they were looking for, they finished, you know, they finished school and they were looking for a job so that they could, the job could apply uh, for, st- uh, what do they call that thing, sponsorship so that they could stay. And they were looking and they were looking and they, were, and they didn't find. And there, you know, there was a time that it wasn't automatic. They removed the t- automatic two years that they give everybody now. They removed it for a while. And, and, so, and so the only way to stay after you finished your master's was to find sponsorship. And this person was looking and looking and looking and did not find. You know where the person found? Do you want to know the day the person found? The day their visa was expiring. The person was going to be legal by tomorrow morning. Today, the person found a job. The company filed emergency for the person, and the person got that stay in the evening. Yes. Yes. It is somebody I know very well. Last day that he... If he didn't get it that day, he would have become an illegal person in this country by tomorrow morning. God, it is not that God plays brinksmanship with our lives. It is that many times the, 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 the faith takes us to the edge of a cliff. And sometimes we, your, your faith is what will push you off the cliff. But there's nothing that says you will get to the bottom and crash land. Because the Bible says he will give his angels charge over you. They will bear you up in their arms. You will not dash your foot against the stone. If God is promising that the angels will bear you, that means God is not promising that you will not fall off the cliff. But he's saying, even if you fall off, the angels will bear you and you will not dash your foot against the stone. One of the things we need to learn is to be is to completely hand it over to God and leave it there. Hand it over and leave it there. Hand it over and leave it there. The way of faith hands it over and leaves it there and behaves as if it is done. The way of faith does not give it to God and you are still thinking, oh God, how will you do it? How you will do it, I don't care. I don't want to know. The point is you have said you will do it. Then you will do it. And I thank you because you are going to do it. That is the way of faith. Not if God doesn't do it, what I, what's my plan B? The day you create a plan B is the day God is done with that matter. So rather than spending your entire life worrying about what should I do, what should I do, why don't you spend your entire time asking you might as well spend that the two hours you spent. You you woke up in the morning and you can't find the energy to get out of bed because so there are one million things on your mind. See the time you spent lying there, 
worrying about the one million things that you need to do, you could spend that time speaking to God about those things. Lord, this is too much. Start to fix it. You are better off. Be anxious for nothing. Then what does it say next? He said, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known. Many times, the devil steals the time you are supposed to. That time that would have been more profitable to your life, praying. You sit down there worrying. You sit down there depressed. You can't find the energy to even go and shower because something, something is messing with your head. When, when, Many times it is a demon sitting on your head and you don't even know. Go and write it down. Ask God to open your eyes one day. Every time you are feeling sad and we read in Isaiah 61, the spirit of joy for what? Heaviness. Heaviness is a spirit. When, when, you are so, when you suddenly catch yourself acting all depressed as if the entire world is against you, just know that the devil has come to make your view myopic. Many, many times it is that you are looking at me, 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 me. There is always a me component to depression. Nobody cares about me. Nobody is helping me. Nobody gave me money. Can't people see that I am suffering? Can't people? It is me, 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 me. You look inward. Whereas the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Rise up on your faith this morning. I will stop here. Karush katali prado velisa hante heli karush kipa hante heli prandus. Ebrato velatos kiparus kipa hante brehedos kivena handeska. Pabrotos kipa hante vlehedos kipa hante librados ivehandes. Zete paruska pante librados ivehande klehedos kibayes. Valeto paruska pane hente brahatos ilaham brahatos kepelias. Zete brahato veletos kibahande sizilato krihito pas. Zeto papulata ilama kante kelibrahandos keboj. Zeto paloski venanta librahandos kepaliataras. Zete papulia parato blehetos kedemas. Zeto palote ziamante bletos kivinatalia kabanes. Zeli palo prahando zezilam prahato veletos kibanes. Zeto papolia tabarato si namante blahandos kebosh. Zate valeto paye laketo kapadelia paratus. Zeto pales kabam brahatos kepali krahandos cryer to God this morning. Mante lete barato si lahambra. Reto tuza zeli prahandos kevenante librahandos kizozea. Zeto parota hande gletos kibrahandos kebos. Zete bletos kilo brahandos siza zeto bratos kizo. Mante bretos hima hande blato kezozo. Mante de lift up your voice to the Lord this morning. Zande brando doseze lande de de lete de diamas. Zete brato to liamba retoski babalia tabaraske. Mai bombe liamanta librando si lambranto veletos kabai. Zeto babolia melante liabaras. Zeto babolia mambe letoskeve yande lete breto kedia. Reto tia basede.
Help me. I'm Belletosina. I'm Breto Keveneto Caesar. Help my unbelief. 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 Baruta Zezeketoma. Many times I say I trust you, but I don't really trust you. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Beloske paria tabaris. Mambre toski la baratosia kadoski namase. Mambre toski la kaira bato bletoske ba. Menke vedeke diyamahasketeli. Jato pakota libra. Legreto kabote liabratoske bo. Jetem beketeke liama. Rando toske te pleheto Jate papoli ambahande, lebreto kaboske peliana, jato babeli, reto babeli, rande teke lekete kaboske te paras. Help my unbelief. Parosia paratoklatoske bow. Help my faith. 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 Escapa leketo kapote. Jete papalato kepereto kaba. Jeto palos kepera. Reto kamba katalibrahatos kepei. Help my faith. Help my faith. Help my faith. Help my faith. Mateke yandete langete ketea. Reto papolia paratos kepo. Jete mpeketekelea. Jato paros kepedea. Mampele ketebreteke Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Em paketo, paketo, zete, leketo, karia. Help me, ratoske. Mambreto keto, zizande, ratoske. Makretoske to, mambeleto kebreria. Make sure you are praying, make sure you are praying. Help me, help me, help me. I say I have faith, but I might actually not have faith. Help me. Help me, help me, help me. Live in active faith. Live in active faith. Live in active faith. Live in active faith. Oh, Parusa, Kabori, Rotepalia, Kabosia, Mahante. Oh, Rapalia, Kaparato, Kletosketia. Help my unbelief. 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 Let God know that you will trust him. Tell God, Lord, I will trust you. 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 Help me. From today, I will trust you. Sovereign Holy Ghost, help me. Holy Ghost, help me. 
Holy Ghost, help me to really, really be able to give everything to you. Help me that I will be thinking of ways out, that I will be thinking of how to get out of it. I will be thinking of plan B, plan C, plan D. Help me that you be my one and only way out. So even though you slays me, yet I will serve you. Even if it doesn't save us, we will not bow. Erado shatelia kaba, jeto kate kete bena, mabreto kete 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 Help me. Help me to trust you to the end. 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 Wherever Wherever you call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. Wherever you will call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. If there's some situation, say to the Lord this morning, Lord, this situation I trust you. I have faith in you. Your ability that cannot fail. I trust you. Just express your trust in God this morning. Lord, say concerning this situation, it is impossible for you to fail. It is impossible for you to lie. It is impossible for you to fail. So I trust you. So I believe you. I hand it over to you. I hand it over to you. I hand it over to you. I say, take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. It doesn't matter how big they say it is. It doesn't matter how small you think it is. Say, Lord, I hand it over. Lord, I hand it over.
this morning. You are taking communion this morning. Speak to him this morning. Ask him. Ask him for strength. Ask him for strength. You cannot have the faith of God without the strength of God. You cannot have faith without conviction of the Holy Ghost. Ask him to help you. This communion this morning is for strength. This communion this morning is for strength. Renewal of strength. Of grace. Multiplication. Of a next level. Of the next level. In the name of Jesus. of the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus. That as I declare the words of your servant on over us this morning, this afternoon, that we'll see the evidence in the name of Jesus. Amen. Therefore I declare by the word of the Lord through his servant, our Father in the house, the Hebrew will be for favor. We have surplus. We have months of discovery. That things that we should have heard and known that we didn't hear and we didn't know we'll find out in this month. Amen. We receive the gifts of men. Amen. We'll meet the right people. Amen. That will be acceleration in our lives. Amen. We'll meet new help in Hebrew. Amen. New friends. Amen. New opportunities. Amen. Quick understanding. Amen. New doors. Amen. Multiple promotion. Amen. Ease. Authority, Amen. wisdom, Amen. understanding, hand of strife and problems Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Signs and wonders, Amen. the anointing to transcend and the anointing to overcome, Amen. the anointing to excel. Just receive it for yourself in the name of Jesus. I receive it, Father. 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 In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. You can take your bread and your wine. 